Hey guys, how are we getting on? Welcome back to the JCC podcast for episode number 12. God, we are flying through now at this stage. So first of all, just want to jump on and, and just to say, I hope we're all doing okay and I hope we're all doing well because I know this is a really, really frustrating time. I know that motivation can be a little bit low at this stage and, and listen, I'm with you here and I've been doing this for a number of months now and we all have these feelings, you know, and I've talked to a couple of clients over the last week, in particular this last week, and um, where motivation was a little bit low, we feel frustrated that we're not going to get the results that we're after, things like this, but we always have to bring things back for a second and look at this from a um, the lens of, of, of an outside person. Everyone is in the same boat. You, me, every single person listening to this podcast, or if, if you guys are in lockdown, listen to this podcast. Everyone's in the same boat. No one has the uh, ability to go and go and train in the gym. I think that it, we feel that it's almost like it, it's just us alone that is not able to train and make the results. But I will say that if you're continuing to train, if you're continuing to look after your diet, you are in control here. You are on the front foot here and I have to say hats off to you because you will be able to beat lockdown. And there's not many people out there that will continue to keep training and keep nutrition going this whole way through lockdown. So if you make that your goal, make that your your priority here to just keep everything moving regarding our training and nutrition, um, stress management, sleep optimization, etc., you will be in a fantastic position post lockdown here and you really need to give yourself a pat on the back for that. So a little bit of a different episode today in terms of that we're going to run a Q and A. It's actually our first Q and A that we that we want that we're um, putting into the podcast and something I have wanted to do for a while. And it's a great opportunity for I know I get a lot of them on um, I do a weekly one on on Instagram, um, which is great. But I find sometimes it's a little bit hard to get all the information across, and I don't want to write four or five different stories worth of information on it. So I found that this is probably the easiest way for me uh, to actually do it. So some fantastic questions and then some also a couple of concerns, which hopefully I'll be able to shed a bit of light on and hopefully answer answer everything for you guys. Um, this is the only podcast where I've actually had to do zero prep as well, which is very, very handy on my end. You guys have done it all for me and I haven't done one of these kind of since um, anyone who has been following me for a while, probably two or three years ago, where I used to do these Instagram live uh, Q&As and it kind of feels like that, which is nice. But again, like I said, it's a great way for me to answer uh, an abundance of topics here um, for all of you guys. So I think that we can jump straight in now and I have two, uh, bear with me while I flick between, um, I put up two kind of uh, question boxes on my Instagram, so I'll flick from one to the other. But the first one is going to be um, quite a good one actually, it's regarding to training and I think that we can use this to kick off the, to kick off the Q&A because it relates to a lot of topics. The, the question was how to train test, how to, excuse me, off to a bad start, off to train, God I'll try it one more time. How to train chest with minimal equipment in brackets, dumbbells and barbells. So I think that that means that without dumbbells and barbells. So what I will say is that when we always think of that, we always just think of we can only do push-ups. Where on the last podcast, if you guys haven't listened to that, I definitely recommend jumping back and it gives a couple of tips of how to run this lockdown. I talked about gathering as much equipment as possible. And for the, the expense that dumbbells are, they're very expensive, especially during this time. I know there's hundreds and hundreds of euro or dollars or, or whatever our currency is um, to get a set of dumbbells. But one thing that will always remain very, very cost effective is a resistance band. And if you talk about resistance bands, and let's say if we're talking about chest training, 
So we look at different portions of the chest. So let's say at the push-up, for, for example, when we have our chest closest to the floor, so our elbow is furthest towards the ceiling, we're in the lengthened range of that rep there. Okay, so our chest is lengthened, it's stretched. And when we have no load, if we do push-ups to failure, you won't be able to push yourself back up to the top and you're going to fail in that lengthened range, okay? But let's say we add a resistance band now. So there's one exercise, just a normal push-up with good tempo, good quality execution. Now if we add a band to that, now where's the hardest part of the rep? It's not the bottom anymore. It's now the top. You know when you can lock out the push-up when you have no band? You sit, you're up the top, the elbows are locked out. It's okay up there. Now if we add the band, up the top when we have the elbows locked out is the hardest part of the rep. So now we're challenging the mid to short range. So it's the other part of the range of the, of the pec. So now we have two exercises with simple addition of a band, but now we're challenging different uh, portions of the range here, or different lengths. So the, the length and range in normal push-up and the short range in, in, the, in the banded push-up. So by simply adding in something like that, and the same with a, um, with a, a pulling exercise, we can always diff, uh, work different lengths um, of the tissue itself. And then we also look at, of course, some a little bit of cuffed work where we can do some um, some flies. You know, we can fly across the body and and work that shortened range very heavily. Just being a little bit uh, clever with our, our programming here. So there's three exercises that I will use, and that's without dumbbells, of course. A push up, and then can we change the angle of a push up to bias a little bit more of the the clavicular or costal fibers, or the upper or lower fibers, respectively? So we could do an incline push up where we challenge the upper upper pec fibers a little bit more, and um, or a decline push up where we challenge the lower pec fibers a little bit more, and then we can do isometrics in the shortened range as well. I I posted a, a video up months ago. Now now um, on Instagram it's called a, I think it's called chest giant set and we challenge the shortened range where we squeeze our, our palms together in isometric then the lengthened range and then we go into our push-up so there, if you really really use use your head and try be a little bit inventive there's so many ways to challenge each and every single muscle tissue um, in different ranges so I think that that would probably be my my um, my advice for that one so the next question we're going to run into, and I'm going to try and pair these all um, together uh, so they kind of run into one, one into the other. So the next one says, when you say stress management, how do you actually manage stress? And then it has a little emoji with a, a head being blown up. When we talk about stress, and I'm going to do a podcast on this by itself, there are definitely things that we can manage. We know that, especially at this time, our overall allostatic loads, our overall stress load from emotional stress, physical stress, all these different ones will, will um, accumulate to, to make our allostatic load, our overall stress load. So how can we manage these? And we always think of managing stress as these holistic approaches. And I th I'm, I'm all for these and something I use myself and with every single client. But there are other things that we can, of course, use. So we talk about meditation guided breathing, doing a yoga session, try to do a little bit of actually just stretching is very good for pushing parasympathetic dominance and nervous system. So all those would be fantastic ones. But then we can also use stuff like daylight exposure. Can we get out in the sun? Can we, can we get out in as much daylight as we can in the day? There's so many studies and one in particular that comes to mind but it shows the profound effects that getting more daylight exposure can have on overall um, stress levels in the body, energy, mood, um, reduction in diseases. Things like these are just, when you read the study, it's absolutely amazing. If you just simply look up the study on Google, um, benefits of daylight exposure, um, it will show you all of them. 
then we also look at, um, from an exercise perspective, we know that getting out and doing a, a good workout is, is really, really good for endorphin release, but also the use of cardio. Cardio is such an underlooked variable. Cardio is fantastic for, of course, burning calories, um, improving cardiovascular system, but also stress management. Something I, I probably use it the most for with clients. Yes, of course, it burns calories. Yes, it improves recoverability. But from a stress management perspective, I think cardio is probably one of the most underlooked variables. So whether you're in a gaining phase, dieting phase, maintenance phase, keep cardio in all year round. And then the last thing we'll say is, is some supplementation. And sometimes we can do, and some grounding as well is also nice, where we, we walk in on the uh, on the grass and try and absorb the nutrients from the soil and kind of absorb the earth the earth's energy. It might sound a little bit hippie, but there's actually a lot of um, research behind it, funny enough. Um, but then also we talk about supplementation. And I talk about ashwagandha supplementation a lot. I think it's one of the probably the best supplements we can take um, to downregulate the nervous system. So a couple of, a couple of options there that we can use. So don't just think of stress management that you have to sit um, for 25 minutes breathing in and out, listen to melodic music. There's so much more to it that we can actually do. But what I will say is that pick one that works for you. Don't try them all at once. Try one thing. Does it work? Great. Keep it in. If not, the other thing as well is journaling and gratitude journaling, writing down what, we do, what we've done in the day, what did we eat, what did we do in the gym, what did, who did we bump into on the street, who do we phone, phone in the evening, what stressed us out a little bit, how can we go about um, that the next day, or how can we go about this in the future that it won't stress us out anymore. All these kind of things are definitely going to help. The next one then is going to be my di my digestion goes to shit. Excuse the pun. My digestion goes to shit when I work from home. WFH. Why is this? And the reason why I've said this is um, after the stress management question is stress is a big downstream effect on our digestive system. When we are stressed, we're more than likely going to be in a sympathetic um, state. And if we look at, let's say, the autonomic nervous system, and there are three branches, but there's two main branches. Let's say on the left, we have um, parasympathetic. So that's calm, relax. What I'm doing right now, I'm in a nice, relaxed state doing this podcast. If you're chilling at home on the couch, you're nice and parasympathetically driven. Sympathetically driven is on the right side. And when we're sympathetically driven, we're in the gym about to pick our PB deadlift up off the floor. Or we've just got a call from our boss saying they need to have an urgent meeting with me. Um, all these kind of things are going to have a sympathetic drive. So our heart rate is elevated. And when our heart rate is elevated, this means that we're in a fight or flight response. So literally the body, well, the body doesn't know what the stress has come from. But that stress signal, it tells the body to get into survival mode. So it shunts all the blood out of the digestive tract into our working limbs, so our arms, our legs, to, to literally be ready for a fight. And that's what it has been, um, that's, why, that's why it's been made. So when the blood is not in the digestive tract and we are on a higher stress levels, i.e. especially during over this lockdown period, um, we see a big reduction in digestion. So I think that managing stress is going to be the number one factor. And well, having a higher stress um, load is going to be the number one factor of why your digestion is a little bit poorer, or a little bit slower. Um, so that's going to be our number one. Number two is, is movement. And I think that if we're a lot more stagnant than we used to be, and we're not doing as many steps and moving around the place, this also um, has a negative effect on digestion. So getting up and doing a little five-minute walk post-eating to try and get 
everything moving really and that has been really for myself and for a lot of clients has been shown to uh, improve digestion a lot so those are little tricks that you can use a five, little five ten minute walk post eating um, rather than just sitting around and you also kill a f- get a few more steps if you can do it out in the daylight as well even better then we also look at um, what foods are in the house, what foods are we actually consuming there as well. Um, like, are you is there ju- are you just eating more processed foods because we're at home? Are you snacking more? Are you eating more food than you usually do eat? Um, are you eating good quality micronutrients? Like, we have to look at a lot of variables there as well. So, um, you have to have a look at the quality of food that's coming in. The other thing then is water, which I know a lot of people because it's um, because we're at home are is not are not drinking as much water as as we usually do, and and being uh, um, dehydrated has a negative effect on every single biological function in the body, let alone digestion, of course, as well. So loads of things that it could be there and like i said this the answer to this every single question is to pretty much try something out if it works great if it doesn't i would say them in order manage our stress a little bit better and um, chew our food a little bit better as well have good quality food in the house and make sure we are hydrated okay moving into the next one here what is the best macro split to use over lockdown to retain as much muscle as possible so I will say that some of these, uh, some of the questions, they're, they're, I, I need them as specific as possible, but I will try to do my best with every single one of them. So for this one, we need to, we need to look at the physique, first of all, and see where we're at in terms of how much actual tissue we have in the body. So first of all, we need to look at energy balance as well. When we try and think that if we're going to be in a dieting phase, there is we do run the risk of... Um, of losing a little bit of muscle tissue. So what is the key? And I've always said this, let's say, let's do it in three stages here. If we're in a dieting phase, we want to try and keep protein nice and high, at least um, uh, one or uh, one gram per pound of body weight and to try and keep that on the upper scale, even not, even if a little bit more to try and use that to hold on to and maintain as much tissue as we can. When we're in this dieting phase, you also think of how much intensity are we bringing to our sessions? Are we losing? Are we losing performance here? And then we have to say, are we under eating? So, I think that when we say um, the macro splits, if you just simply keep protein um, at, at one gram per pound of body weight, that's all that we really need. And carbs and fats can fluctuate. I would always be on the the, the fan of a higher carb than fat diet, um, but um, that's neither here nor there whichever one that works well with you and digests well with you. But what I want, what I'm trying to get at here is energy balance is going to be the dictator here. If you feed too low, uh, your performance is going to drop. And if your performance drops, then you're going to lose uh, reps in on your sets. You're going to lose reps um, in the gym even or at home, wherever we are. Um, and then we're, we're going to lose muscle tissue. So don't underfeed yourself. Keep protein at one one gram uh, per pound of body weight, and just try and maintain performance as much as you can in the gym. And then, obviously, from a maintenance standpoint, it's going to be much easier to do that. And then, from a, a gaining phase, it's going to be even easier to maintain muscle tissue. So, my my thought process, or why I've answered it in that way, was from the question. I presume that we're in a a dieting phase here. So keep protein at one, one gram per pound of body weight and just do not lose performance in the gym, being a very, very gentle deficit and more output rather than reduce input. Do you need to be doing a lot more sets using body weight exercise? Um, good question. And 
when we talk about volume and intensity, so let me just read that one again. Do you need to be doing a lot more sets using bodyweight exercises? So bodyweight exercises have the kind of stigma that we have to do 10 to 8, 10 sets on, on them. But then we also have to look at what were our actual sets like in those on those 8 to 10 sets? What was our intensity like? Are we just doing junk volume there? Could we have really just worked to complete failure over two or three sets there? I think that it's it's mainly the, like I said, the stigma around because we don't have load, we have to do way, way, way more sets with less rest time. And then we end up doing, like I said, junk volume. And once I heard that phrase before, I know it's AJ Morris, who I heard it from and I have to give him the shout for this. Once I heard that phrase, it really changed my my whole attitude to training. And when we're talking about bodyweight exercises here, exercise in the gym, exercise with bands, uh, dumbbells, barbells, whatever it is, we can always stay with a lesser volume approach, but bring our intensity up. If that means that we're we're doing fifteen or twenty reps on push-ups, so be it. Can we uh, increase the time of detention? Can we do a five-one-five-one tempo where we do five seconds on the way down? hold for one in the lengthened, five seconds on the way up, hold in the shortened. So there's ways and means of progressing how tough the exercise actually is without doing, rather than doing really quick tempo, 10 reps by 10 sets. So the answer to that one is we don't actually need to be doing many more sets and um, with body weight exercises, but what you need to do is to try and try and create much more stimulus in the tissue try create intensity by using uh by using like shorter rest periods by uh, using tempo as well is going to be a fantastic way build intensity in the set so you don't have to do five ten eight or ten sets on each exercise hopefully that answers the question there how are you so disciplined at home home workouts and and food and with food i guess um this one is is one and i, I actually again talked to um talked to one of my clients today who's, who's lacking a little bit of motivation at the end and my answer to this was just just by creating something where you you always have and i know i always say this but have your why and i know that i'm my why is to kind of lead from the front for all my clients um, to try and create the best physique that I possibly can for myself as well. And once I have that, I know that I can't have two or three weeks where I'm off. Do you know, I, I can't have two or three weeks where I fall off the bandwagon here. And once you start to also see results as well is going to be the key. Once you start to see yourself improving on a weekly basis or even on a daily basis, as long as you're beating yourself in the day, day before you're moving in the right direction. I think that, that is, that's motivation. That gives me discipline. But I will also say that I've been doing this for a very, very long time. Like uh, People who know me will know that I've never, I've never really had like a couple of weeks off the gym over in years, you know, other than forced from injury or going on a holiday or something like this. This has just been my bread and butter. This has been my lifestyle for years and years and years, probably almost borderline 10 years, you know, about nine, nine to 10 years at this stage. So I have all that behind me. And if you guys are new, um, in particular, the person who asked this question, if you are new to this, you just have to build that resilience and build your foundations and just think of the bigger picture. What are you trying to become and have that visual visualization in front of you of where you want to be. And then that should give you that drive and 
always keep, once you get there, you should have that what's next syndrome. And I wrote a blog on this if anyone wants to jump into it on my website. Once you get there, it's okay, that's great. Let's set a new goal here. So always having that goal and something to work towards in front of you um, is really, really important. This is a bit of a funny one. Uh, why do you wear socks in home workouts? And <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that I wear socks just in home workouts. And the reason why I do this, and I usually just do it for um, upper body exercise, maybe out of pure laziness would be the first thing, uh, rather than just going in and putting socks and shoes on. Um, but also from a lower body, sorry, I only do it for my lower body workouts. Um, because of proprioception and something I have learned over the last few years is you know those kind of vibrams that are coming out and those kind of toe socks things which I actually wouldn't mind getting a pair of there's a lot of science behind why they are actually out and the reason is for proprioception and to try and actually what ha what happens when we have these shoes on is that they just cramp our from our kind of big toe to our pinky in towards each other and it's really really um not good for our, our actual foot so what what the what the vibrams do is allows freedom in the foot themselves and the same with socks as well, where we can have the toes spread, you can feel yourself glued to the floor, you can feel the floor, whereas the shoes kind of mask everything. You don't know where your weight is being distributed because your heel is elevated and you don't know if it's in the front foot or you're trying to keep it through the heel. There's no way around like having your foot on the floor through a sock or through a Vibram or a barefoot. So if you can do that, it, do, it definitely does provide a lot more stability. Um, it provides uh, a lot more kind of friction and, and, uh, and grip on the floor as well. And I've always been able to lift much more heavy load um, through being like in socks through an RDL or a squat or a hack squat or something like this. And the thing that I always... Um, I'll always say is that the the contact is from the floor to the foot and you are simply driving driving force through your heel into the floor and if there's something in between that like a bubble wrap or something like a the heel of our shoe is just going to mask or is going to reduce the amount of force going in one side and coming out the other so by having those shoes in there i think are going to be um, detrimental to the amount of force you can produce so if you are wearing shoes on the lower body session something like a pair of converse or a pair of vans something like that that's going to be much harder and thicker in the sole where force goes in so in one side and then out the other so a lot of questions on training splits and what's the best, I have I think three, three on this page and, and one on the previous question. What's the best train split? What train split are you doing at the moment? Why we do, or what train split over lockdown? What's the best split to do? And then this one is a nice one. Why upper lower over push pull leg split? Is it, is it just personal preference? And I think I'll just answer this as a bit of an umbrella uh, question where we say all all plans do the exact same thing. And we want to try and think that um, we want to try and stimulate the muscle frequently across the week. And if we can try and hit that at a minimum two times every every eight days, let's say, is what is what I like to try and do. And one every kind of four days. So if we think that if you can train two times a week, you would do in my well, I would I would coach you to do two full body splits so that means that let's say if you train on monday and a friday monday and thursday or whatever it is you do a full body each day so that let's say the ch chest back shoulders arms uh, quads hamstrings glutes all of those then are hit two times a week now let's say if you can train three times a week then you do uh, three full body workouts or else an upper lower 
an upper body an upper body on Monday, a lower on Wednesday, and then a full body on Friday. And we still have two times a week frequency. I've always preferred the upper lower split, mainly because I just I can't spend that long in the gym. I don't have that much time to be training, and I find I can't recover. I well, I used to not be able to recover that much from it, along with the the. 40, 40 or 50 hours of PT in a week or whatever it was and it was very very taxing so I found that four um, four days a week was was always adequate for me and something I use a lot with clients so if we can get into the gym four times a week I would always be on the thought process that um, upper lower is a really really nice split so we do upper lower back to back have a day off upper lower back to back and have two days off and that's the week done we can create recovery we have our stimulus two times a week um, and then we're in a good place push pull legs is a fantastic split as well it just means that you have to be a little bit more consistent and you have to have a little bit more time in the gym because if we take if we do like an upper lower rest legs so sorry excuse me push pull rest legs rest and then take another day or two rest there because we're we're fatigued and then do it again we're only we're, we're only getting in um one or two sessions every five or six days here which is which is too long for the stimulus to be it's almost like we're training once a week then so what i would say is that if you have the time push pull legs is fantastic if you can be consistent with it and you can recover from it it is fantastic the other one then I like to use is a priority day. And for myself, my weak areas is definitely my chest, my calves as well, but I, I need to tra train them a little bit more frequently. Um, but let's say chest uh, delts um, are going to be my, my priority at the moment. They're the weak, weak parts of my body. So I give myself a priority day. So I do an upper body, lower body, rest, upper body, lower body, rest, priority day, rest, repeat and that takes eight days now so we don't need to have it all in in seven days we have it in eight or nine days it's absolutely okay but i think that um it's if there's a million ways to skin a cat you know all paths lead to rome and i think that whatever you can do that stimulates the tissue two times in a week you're going to be in a good place whether that's um two full body sessions if that's an upper lower full body if that's an upper lower upper lower if that's upper lower upper lower priority or if that's push pull legs push pull legs they're all fantastic splits they do exactly the same thing but the further you go up the scale the more volume you you can create in each muscle group what are your views on alcohol over lockdown? Do you drink also? So first of all, yes, I do drink and I do like the occasional beer every now and again and um, probably not as much as I used to drink back in the day. Um, but I do have, have a few beers every now and again. Um, my views over alcohol and lockdown is very, very personal dependent. We have to note where we are individually and where we are headspace wise and how we're actually coping with this lockdown. And I think that um, I've had this conversation with a few clients and one or two come to mind in particular where we have had to just say, you know what, I think we are just actually drinking, not even from a body composition perspective, just from like me being being a friend to them, just saying we need to pull our drinking back here. And um, because if it if it's two, three, four times a week, it is it is way, way too much. And I think that if we we're to maybe allow ourselves one time a week. And I think that this is the same for, for food and you can relate this very much so. If we're going out for food and ordering food in two, three, four times a week and we're trying to do, run a diet at the moment, I won't bullshit here. That is never, 
ever going to happen. But if we can limit that to one time a week, I think that's okay. I think that we can definitely work around that as long as precautions are there. But if we do that on top of drinking and then we wake up the next morning and we're really hungover and our, fo- our fingers slips and they by, by mistake they we order Domino's pizza and then by mistake our finger slips and we Uber eat uh, McDonald's that evening, then that becomes a vicious cycle. I think that alcohol has that effect. Um, so I would try and limit it as much as you can, even if it's once every two weeks. But if you if that is something that you can't do at the moment and you need to have something, a little bit of enjoyment, um, I would try and limit that to one time a week. Have a couple of drinks. Make sure you've left some room on that day. Make sure you work, work an extra cardio session in or something like that, just to amount for it. And as long as the books are balanced at the end of the week, you're going to be in a good place. But something I'll always say is that if if it's going to be something that keeps you sane over this lockdown then i think it's in a good that is absolutely no problem get to bed later get to bed later and up later or bed earlier and up earlier i'll always be always be on the um, up earlier and and get to better now sorry i will also say it really depends what late later and and earlier is so if you mean getting up at 11 p.m. or 11 a.m. Uh, and going to bed at 2 in the morning or else get, getting up at uh, like 8 or 9 a.m. and go, getting to bed at, at 10 or 11 or something like that, I'll always be on that side. So what I will say is we're supposed to, our bodies are supposed to be waking and sleeping with the sun. When the sun rises, imagine we had no houses. Imagine this is what we used to do back in the day, hundreds, millions of years ago. We used to wake up when the sun sun woke us up, and we used to go to bed when the sun rise when the sun went down, and that's why um, the sun um, goes around the earth in that time frame. So we want to try and be working with that, and from a circadian rhythm perspective, being on that time zone is probably the healthiest thing you can possibly do. Um, in yourself that's the healthiest thing that you can possibly do to help improve your overall health and well-being here so trying to be as close to that as you can waking up and 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 seeing the sunrise is is really really good for our health and once the sun goes down that's that's a kind of a signal to our brain okay melatonin is being released let's go to bed so the closer you can get to that the better i would try to say that if we leave ourselves waking up at 10 9, 10, 11, 11 a.m. and getting to bed at 1 or 2 in the morning, that, that's quite unhealthy. And we know that like shift workers have a lot more higher chance of, of, of um, attaining like cancers and things like this from doing these, these shift works. And the main thing is because their circadian rhythm is so disrupted. So trying to keep as close to um, the, the uh, uh, what would I say, the, the sun coming up and the sun going down cycle. So again, another kind of close one to this. Uh, I usually train. I usually training in the evening. Okay, I usually train in the evening, but think I might train in the morning. Question mark. So, <laughs> what I guess is, what are my views on training in the evening and training in the morning? I I remember putting up a post a while ago, and it said, um, "No one ever went out for it. now. This this would be the same for let's say a Zoom 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 drinks or something like that." No one ever jumped on a Zoom chat or went for Zoom drinks at, at six or seven in the morning. And the reason and the thought process behind this is that we can we can potentially get roped in uh, to doing something in the evening post work. We can also potentially have much much lower motivation, much less energy post work. Now I will say that, but that doesn't happen in the morning. I will say that people are going to be 
train to to train at certain time periods you're going to have to prioritize when you know you have the highest energy levels throughout the day so for me myself i would definitely if i had to train at 5 or 6 p.m every day i'd be zapped of energy all my energy gets put into my coaching and my 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 training at early earlier in the day because i can prioritize my time at that day so my answer to that one is evaluate where you have the most energy if it's in the morning, get your training done in the morning. That means that you've ticked that box and you have three or four meals after that to replenish glycogen levels and to, to repair any muscle tissue. If we leave our train till the evening, um, we're also going to be very sympathetically driven. So if I train at, at 6, 7 p.m., I'm going to be wired trying to go to bed in two hours. Do you know? So we need to try and take ashwagandha supplementation to try and calm the nervous system and try and do so before we get our meal in. And that only means then we get one meal post-workout. So there's kind of... The answer will be, it depends really, and um, where you feel you have, you can perform the best. But I will definitely say the earlier in the day you can train is probably going to be the better. I think this is the last one here. So a good one to finish on as well. So stuck, stuck on whether to bulk or cut during this time. What are your thoughts? So this one's again going to be completely, completely dependent on um, on what our physique is like, and I'd have to see it and see where we're at the moment. I will also say, and something I did forget to say in the previous podcast, and actually I might have said it, and if I'm saying it, I'll say it twice. It is okay to maintain over lockdown. I think that this is very, very um, this again a stigma to just get. And I might do, I might spur it on a little bit too much myself, but trying to get something done and trying to achieve something over lockdown, which is great. And that this and this is my job. This is my job to spur everyone on to try get as much out of them. But if you're sitting there going, I just don't feel like I can get that done. That is absolutely okay. If you can go come out of lockdown exactly how you went in there, you've done your job there. You have to give yourself a pat on the back. So it really depends on where we're at at the moment. I think that having a look at our body composition at the moment, where do we want to see ourselves in one to three months and nine to 12 months time? Every single consultation that I have, every person that I ever talk to, I'll always ask that because we need to see the future plan ahead of us. We need to create this roadmap and blueprint. And then we have to say, is going into a dieting phase right now going to be going to be wise because we want to try and gain as much tissue as we can because we want to diet down in nine months time in the summer 2021. Fingers crossed that we can actually get away at that time and go go somewhere sunny. But that's neither here nor there. But what I'm trying to say is that you need to look at the overall picture. So we have to say, why are we dieting? Is there a reason for us to actually diet right now? Or are we just trying to get a get a six get an even more visual six pack? Or if we say, you know what, we're gonna be dieting down in summer, can we just go into a gaining phase now? But then we also have to say is let's have a look at our physique. Are we in the responsive position to enter a gaining phase right now? Or are we holding on to a little bit more body fat now? And let's run a little recomposition phase so that when after lockdown it opens up, now we're ready to actually get into a gaining phase. So again, we're just going to have to, I'm going to have to say it depends on this one and probably the answer to every single question today. But we're going to have to evaluate the physique and see where we're at and uh, and then move forward from there in the position that you see yourself moving towards over the next 9-12 months. That's a great visualization tool for every single person listening right now. Visualize where you want to see yourself in 9-12 months. Think of what the characteristics that that person is doing in 9-12 months. Think of the physique that they have. And then you have to think of how are we going to get there. 
And I'll always say this, and that's my job. You know, every single client that we get in, we I try and create a room, uh, try and create a roadmap or a um, a blueprint for them. We need to try and find out where our A is, our starting point, and where our B is, where we want to try and get to, and then create the roadmap. If that's a recomp, if straight into a a gaining phase, is a long term dieting phase, whatever it is, then we set the foundations, we set our blueprint, we get our training plans, nutrition plans, all in line with our goals, and then we go from there. So that is, I think, all the questions. Yeah, I think that is all of them. So some great questions, and I know a few of them overlapped, so hopefully that that um, answered all the questions. Um, this is great fun. I do really like doing these kind of things, and it's, a, it's an easy way for me to answer a lot of questions in one. And hopefully that everyone got something out of this, and hopefully everyone is actually doing okay, and I really do mean that, that everyone, I hope everyone is actually doing okay. And I'll always say this, no matter when we're in lockdown or when we're out of lockdown, I am always here. Shoot me an email. Shoot me a message. If you ever need to jump on, I can send an, an audio note back or if we need to jump on on a call or something to talk and just create a little bit of, of direction for you, create a little bit of focus. And like I said, this is my job. This is what I'm here to do. I'm, I'm here to create a solution for everyone. And if this is something that you do want to pursue and to, to move forward with, I'm here to help, do you know? So if you if you do want to, um, we have coaching spots available or I have coaching spots available at the moment. And it's simple a DM, just drop me a message, um, either with the word coaching, um, or else just simply drop me a message with with uh, your your theories and where you want to bring things, and then we can jump on a, an, a consultation and talk everything through and create your blueprint, create your roadmap. So thank you so much for listening, guys, and everyone who's shared the podcast as well. I really, really appreciate it. Um, thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, looking forward to looking forward to the next one now.